It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Today on our 14th show, we'll interview Lucas Heron, a local realtor right here in Valparaiso, discussing the business of home ownership. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. We are on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website wvlp.org or or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zero, sorry, I should know this by now, Tiffany Zero at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla espanol. All right. Hey, I'm Mark, and we're live here in Valparaiso this time. This is a new format, so you may hear some gaffes that we can't edit out. That was just me doing one for you, just as an example. You know, it's always a little volatile, but fun. (laughs) <laughs> we go on air. So uh, welcome to the live edition here of Getting Down to Business. I'm your host, Mark. And what we're going to do today is we're going to get into the business of residential real estate. It is a business. And for the middle class, it's been the best lever or lever to increase your family's net worth. But it can be a complicated process to get started. So rather than me yapping about it as a monologue, I've put together an awesome panel of experience to help me to discuss this critical moment in our fiscal lives. So let's start off with the man running the audio controls today. You heard him an hour ago go off on the Bears on Coach's Corner. And you may even know him from his other show called After Hours or producing Guys Being Dudes with Aiden Maloney and Kevin Boland. Let's welcome Mark Maloney. Well, uh, thank you, Mark and Cynthia. I am very happy to be here for your first in-studio show. Uh, it's quite the job just to keep Aiden and Kevin in line, uh, <laughs> no matter what show they're on. But uh, yeah, it's uh, six years here now at WVLP. Uh, I love what I do and uh, happy to be part of your show today. Oh, thanks, man. And Thank to, you. Hey, and to my other side, she's the producer. She's the voiceover. She's a star soprano. And I married her 358 days ago. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Let's welcome Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Hello, hello. And I still like you. (laughs) Sweet! And it's on the air. So you have that going for you, Mark. Which is nice. (laughs) And now let's bring in the subject matter expert for the day, because it certainly isn't me. Let's welcome Lucas Heron, a dual-licensed real estate agent in Illinois and Indiana. He's associated with Caldwell Banker Realty here in Valparaiso. While he's not helping his clients buy or sell their dream homes, Lucas can be found indulging in his passions for travel, fashion, and popular culture. His wanderlust has led him to explore some of the world outside of Illinois and Indiana. So let's start with this. Lucas, how are you and where have you wandered? I am so good, Mark, and I'm so happy to be here today, live and on the air and ready to talk about real estate and all good things in business. Let's see, where have I wandered recently? Back. In March of 2023, I just traveled to Rome. Yes. It was so beautiful. It was incredible. I mean, we ran into a couple hiccups when it came to travel and... Language? Airlines and, 
you know, you're in a German airport stuck there and they cancel your flight and you can't get from Germany to Rome and, you know, it can cause a little problem, but you know, that's some of the, some of the fun about traveling. Oh, it is. It's a fun fact. I lived in Rome 30 years ago. Wait, wow. oh no, 31. How the numbers are adding up. Yes. So, <laughs> um, my uh, junior year in college, I did the semester abroad for, uh, go Ramblers, Loyola University of Chicago's Rome center campus. So I was a student abroad, and once in a while, uh, yeah, we wandered all over Italy. Um, God, I mean, I, we can have another show about that, but it is, if you have a chance in your life, audience listeners, to travel to Rome or just get outside of your comfort zone, travels everything. And just to speak to experience, Cynthia has a lot of stories to share at another show. Uh, you know, Cynthia, where did you grow up? I grew up overseas. Yes, I was born in Malaysia, raised in Indonesia, then back in the States, and then back over to Taiwan before coming back for college. So I have a lot of travel experiences and stories, successes and some failures or hiccups, but that's what makes travel so fun. Well, that's, see, you know, that's a whole other show. Maybe Mark's going to be producing another show about traveling. You never know. Uh-huh. Could have something to do about a new show. Ooh. That's right. That's that's just a teaser. I've been te- I'm such a tease. I've been teasing all week. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get down into it here. So, Lucas, nobody really, you know, growing up in school, you, you don't really, people hear, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a pro professional athlete, police officer, maybe a lawyer or a doctor, to, you know. But no one says, I want to be a real estate agent growing up. Do they? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, but in my case, I really always had said and known that I wanted to do something in the realm of real estate, of all things home, interior design. I mean, I remember years and years ago, you know, when I was much younger, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, I would run around the house and I would tell my mom, okay, we need to do this with the house. It's going to improve the value. Or we need to change the couches and we need to do new pillows and we need to have new curtains and let's paint the walls and I need to redo my bedroom and I need an all new bed set. And I, <laughs> I, I had said I wanted to do, you know, interior design and real estate and all of that for, for many, many years. And You were nine. I, oh yes, yes, absolutely. And I, I know my mom is listening to this and she would, she would tell you the exact same thing. I, I, I ran her dry for all the interior design and, you know, uh, things that I would make her well, let's talk change about, about the house. You know, interior design for, uh, for my background is, you know, yeah, I just put the couch over here and it stays there. It never moves. Once I put it in a place, it doesn't, there's no reason. But growing up, my mom, if she's listening in as well, she'd move stuff around here and there, but I just never found a purpose to that. What do you find fulfilling about that? I think a lot of it really stems from it's your home. It's where you spend the majority of your day. Um, It's where you and your family get to spend time together, or maybe it's just you, and it's where it's your tranquil place to be, and it's your tranquil place to spend time doing whatever it is that you love to do. And if you're in a place that brings you joy and happiness and you look around, you know, and you see the the beautiful things that you've collected. I know from traveling, you know, when we went to Rome, we mm-hmm. collected so many great pieces and even little towels or little trays or little art pieces, you know, things like that really show people's personality and it shows what their interests are. And it's a topic of conversation when you have people over, oh my gosh, you have such a beautiful home. Where'd you get that art piece? Or, oh my gosh, you love blue too. I love blue also. My house is decorated with blues. You know, things like that. It kind of is a conversation starter and it can bring people together as well. So on a per- so you got your personal side. There's personal fulfillment. I mean, we're going to talk about the business of real estate, but there's a personal, obviously a very personal aspect because it's your, every, especially in the middle class, their biggest investment. So... Let's start segueing into, okay, that's a great personal passion for interior design. It's a great personal passion to have the correct paint color because I don't have that knack at all. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just when I moved into my townhouse, it's the same color. I put in a fresh layer of paint, the same color, but I did put in one wall. It oh, you is, did an accent wall? An accent wall. And what color is it? Loyola Rambler Red. Yeah. <laughs> the maroon. I appreciate that. And it was a custom color. I tortured the poor guy at ace hardware i think it took two hours to put that together yes that poor guy (laughs) he did a really nice job he did 
get all what I call the bones of things done in the house before we moved in, which is nice. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, decorating possibilities still to come. <laughs> Oh the yes, same. there's a there's a there's a bit of a bachelor pad feel here at uh, in, at Cherry Creek in Grays Lake, Illinois. Uh, so you got your passion. How did it become into the business side? Because you can't just go in and go, oh, I'm gonna I'm a real estate realtor. I'm just gonna sell your house. What's the process to get there? How did you get the segue from, uh, you know, I like painting things to, oh, I'm actually gonna make this a business. That's a great question. I it really all came from when you're you know myself along with every other senior in high school when you're getting ready to graduate and you're figuring out what colleges you're applying to and you're doing college tours and Mm -hmm. you're figuring out whether you want to do something in the army or the marines or you want to do something like plumbing or electrical and go into the trades or if you wanted to go work at you know in indiana the steel mill is you know one of the most you know, populated jobs in, in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it came down to it and I was looking at colleges, I had, you know, looked at colleges from coast to coast, colleges in California, colleges in Savannah, Georgia, colleges in, I I'd looked at a couple schools in Illinois as well. And I had kind of settled on, okay, I can go to, I can go to college. I can do that. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get my degree in interior design. I'm going to minor mm-hmm. in business and real estate business. And, you know, I'll, I'll do that. And then I kind of sat back and I I looked at what I wanted my life to be. And I looked at the opportunity I had in my hands in that moment. I could go to college for four years and I could spend a bunch of money to do that. Or I could do that same exact thing, something that I have a a natural knack for, Mm -hmm. a passion for, an interest in, and I can just continue doing that same thing right now. And so that's when I said, I sat down with my parents and I had said, this is what I'm thinking and this is what I want to do and this is something that I'm interested in. And I really had said, I'm going to pass on college and I'm going to get my license right out of high school. And so during my senior year of high school, I'm studying for my finals in school Nice. and I'm taking my real estate exam at the same time. Now that is different. It is. It was a very, very unique experience. But... You know, you got a group here in this room that are not your generation. And we've had these conversations, fa- fantastic conversations. Uh, is college the same value as it was 30 years ago? Um, boy, it's a whole nother show we can go into. You know, Mark and I uh, graduated in 93. And, you know, it was the way to go because especially our parent, I was the first of my and my family go to college, so you better go because it was the way to get. It was social mobility. It was Cynthia. the gateway for our generation to get ahead. Yeah, it Cynthia really was. and your family were. Your, yeah, um, we were all re- expected to go to uh, undergrad and graduate school, and we all had to find our way out because our parents couldn't afford it. So it was a combination of student loans, grants, scholarships to get us through that. Um, but also at that time, and this is the '80s and '90s. When you got a student loan, it did not have the crazy interest rates that they have now. It was something that you could pay back in a couple yeah. of years. It was attainable, and it didn't uh, it didn't get in the way of you and your career going forward. When I find out what people were paying in the late '90s and the 2000s, is that's a criminal. Of of course, they're not going to be able to pay that off in a reasonable rate, and that does harm their future financial goals. Um, and we have a lot of people I know that are focused now on getting into the trades because they need the trades. We're, we're lacking young talent getting into the trades because so many of those in the trades are retiring. Sure. So there's a different mindset about what uh, post-high school education should be. And I, I think, think we Lucas need to is, definitely expand our view of what that is. It's not just getting a four-year college degree. Well, I think Lucas and uh, you know your nieces are starting to kick that around a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, uh, Mark, uh, Aiden is. I know he went to Ivy, right? He uh, well, COVID is is kind of the uh, the item that threw everything off as well. Right. So for Aiden, he had that idea. First, he got accepted to the University College of Dublin. And then he thought, well, I'll go to Ivy Tech, which is the you know community college here, and that he would get his prerequisites done. 
and then either go to Dublin or somewhere here in the state. But COVID hit, like a lot of kids, they took a break from school. And I think that allowed him to kind of rethink things. And then uh, similar to you, Lucas, he kind of took a different path that didn't require that four-year education. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's it's an interesting thing. When I had, you know, shared with family and friends, I was met with, you know, just as much acceptance as I was the resilience and the hesitance of what do you what happens if that doesn't work? What's your plan B? What are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. And I I had just always said to everybody, I'm not worried about it, and so I would love if you trusted me. And, and would watch me soar and watch me do what I love to do. And those all those people have all watched me, you know, build my business and build it to, I think, a, a pretty great place for, you know, someone who's 20 years old, you know, been in the business for three years now. And it, it's a it's a challenging market to build a, a business in I right think now. my brother oh, might yeah. be in the audience. He might be applauding you. My brother, uh, if you listen, go back to our podcast. My brother, Matt Mondo, was in one of the episodes. Um, he rebuilt his career in three years. You know, he had his degree from DeVry, uh, all these other, you know, educational backgrounds, formal education and trade skills. Like he's an auto mechanic. He can fix the transmission in his sleep. He can rebuild the transmission mm-hmm. in his sleep. Uh, but um, he went back to the CRE. He, he got his uh, state license in Florida, and um, they're making money. You know, I think I think the skills that you learn there. I mean, that's sales. It sure is. It's sales. At the end of the day, you know, I mean, I think you have some academic degree for it, but it's hard knocks. I mean, I've been doing, I've been self-employed for 30 years and I'm still learning. You know, I got a marketing degree, but most of it's now hard knocks. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say you're either going to give the home buyer reason why they should buy that home or they're going to give you a reason why they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So I think there's kind of that unique back and forth, which I know you can speak to. So one of the things you were talking about uh, pre-interview here was Cynthia has a segment called the uh, Pearl of Wisdom. Yes, we do. And we usually have it at the end of the show, but it's so important we're going to have it at the beginning of the show. Um it's Pearl of Wisdom, something that you've learned being in your, your field that was a piece of advice that has really helped you uh, move forward in your uh, work and that you weren't aware of, and it came from your exposure to working with others, some wisdom or experience that has been key in your success. One of the most important pieces of advice that I have received from, it was actually somebody in the business. Um, She's a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, um, a previous managing broker of mine. Her name is Susie Weierman. And she has given me the best piece of advice that I've received to run my real estate business um, at this young age. And she had said this to me on the very first day when I had walked into her office and sat down with her and said, you know, here I am, let's start working. And her piece of advice to me was treat your business like a brick and mortar business. So often when you are self-employed and you work for yourself, it's so easy to just fall flat. If you don't have that constant, you know, if you don't have that manager, you know, telling you that you need to be in the office from this time to this time, or you don't have, you know, the co-workers or a set schedule to work on it, it's so easy to lay in bed all day long or it's so easy to go out shopping and go Wait, to you're, lunch you're, you're taking my strategy away there <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so easy to it's so easy to fall flat when you're self-employed and you work for yourself and your and your own encouragement is what's running your business but isn't that your freedom being able to like hey i'm gonna turn on some espn sports center at 10 a.m and watch the scores it it absolutely is a little bit of freedom, and it, it has its it has it has its pros and cons. You know, uh, when I had spoke to Susie, she had said, you know, if Best Buy didn't open their doors one day, what what would they do? They'd lose money that day. If Target didn't open their doors and turn on their lights, they would lose money that day. You have to treat your business like a brick and mortar business. Open the door and turn on the lights every single day, 
And that's exactly what I have taken every day into my business, whether that be calling clients, making sure I call clients every single day, whether that means I'm posting on social media every single day or doing some sort of marketing or you know, educating people about the market or doing interviews like this. It's opening your business every single day and turning those lights on to make sure that you're top of mind when someone comes to say, I need to sell my house or buy a house. Let me call Lucas Heron. Oh, because I can't imagine how commoditized you can be right away as an estate agent. I mean, I'm in Gray's Lake and Cynthia and I, I can fall down the stairs and hit like 30 agents. So how are you going to make yourself unique? And that kind of comes back to my staging and my interior design is the expertise I offer in the field is my, you know, uh, agents that are, have been in the field for 20 or 30 years are still learning the marketing tactics. They're still learning exactly, you know, how social media is working in terms of real estate and those types of things. Those are things that I grew up with. I, I know how to market a property and I know how to sell something. I can make a video and go do a video tour and it can reach, you know, three, four, five thousand people. That's three. So does that mean you're just throwing it up on TikTok and you just go, Oh, it's me? Absolutely. It's TikTok, it's Instagram Reels. It's uh, we some of my marketing is on YouTube ads. And when you're watching a YouTube video, my ads playing through there. Saying, and it's only Here's my new listing. And it's only regionalized Exactly in the Porter County area and you can have that targeted with YouTube, correct? Exactly. Exactly. That's a whole nother show. It could be a whole nother show right there because it's a little out of my skill set. I know how to upload something to YouTube, but I haven't done any YouTube ads yet. I'm still uh, uploading stuff, and uh, these shows are actually turned into YouTubes eventually. So this, for you, Lucas, yeah, we'll have a link for you, and this will be part of your marketing material it as sure well. It will be. Because it sure be, it'll be part, you know, this is part of the branding Lucas came on the show for, and he came to us and said, look, he will be branded as a subject matter expert in residential real estate. So as we go into that, it sounds like, you know, buying and selling a home should be easy. Nothing crazy should happen. <laughs> I mean, we're all rational people making <laughs> rational decisions for the most rational purchase of our lives of buying a home. I mean, what could go wrong? Well, you think of a million things and it's gone wrong. <laughs> I, you know, I was normal. What's been abnormal to you? Well, I've shown all types of homes. I sell homes that are ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and I show homes and sell homes that are seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars. And you run into some crazy things on both ends of the spectrum. One of my favorite stories is it was maybe two or three months into the business. It was one of my, you know maybe like my 10th showing. I hadn't showed a whole bunch of homes. And I had taken a first-time client that I had not met, that I had not never met, and it was he was a referral from another agent in my office and said, "Hey, you know, well, you know, you can take this client out. He wants to look at this home." Yada yada yada. So I take him out to look at this home and I pull up to the listing. And usually when you pull up to a listing, you know, the door's locked and there's a lockbox on the front door. I use my little app, I get the key, I open it up. And we I tore them through the home, say, you know, here's the living room, bedrooms, kitchen, square footage, all that type of stuff. In this case, I had pulled into the driveway of this home. It was off a very busy road, and the front door was wide open. The lights oh. were on in the house, and I was like, well, that's, that's odd. You know, usually it's locked, and, you know, I open the door and whatever. And so I called the listing agent and said, hey, do you know that your, your listing, the door's wide open? Why is somebody home? Is is there a previous listing before me or a previous showing before me that I'm missing? Am I intruding? What's going on here? And he had said, I have no idea. I didn't know the door was wide open. Okay, well, let me go check it out. So my client pulls up and I say, okay, usually, you know, uh, the door's locked and everything, but it looks like the door's right open. So we're going to go ahead and take a tour. Is that okay with you? And so we had gone inside and we had walked in the door and I was met with something I had never, ever seen before. Animal? Bat? Anything? This was mid-November before Thanksgiving. And this particular couple had decorated their home for Christmas. But when I say decorated their home for Christmas, I mean it was like you're stepping into the present. You walk inside (laughs) this living room. The homeowners are home, laying on the couch watching TV. 
and are welcoming welcoming us when we walk in the door, happy to have us there, and they're happy to tour us through the home. And that was a shock at first, just having the homeowners there. And then when you start to look around the house, and all of the walls and ceiling are covered in Christmas wrapping paper. <laughs> wait, wait, hold up, hold the phone here. So you've got <laughs> the studio here's got like a yellow wall, you know, just standard paint here at Project Neighbors. So wallpaper was the the wrapping paper was take a, a Christmas a roll of Christmas wrapping paper okay. and it's take it tape it at the top and let it drop and it the entire every wall and the ceiling was covered in wrapping paper. Oh my goodness. They had multiple Christmas trees in this small living room. Yes. Some decorated, some not. They were all kind of like piled into a corner like a Christmas tree farm or something. <laughs> Like they are. They're watching their TV. They could not care less that the, that we're there. There's garlands. Like I, I say when I when I go to the dollar store and there's the tinsel like garland. It's yes. like red and gold and green. It's cascading across the ceiling. It's wrapped around the windows. I mean, it's there's lights everywhere. It's like those Christmas. There's a Christmas bar in Chicago, and it is like just decked to the nines. That is what this house was. Wow. And. I had the listing pictures, of course, had been taken, you know, a month or so prior and had no sort of decoration done. And when we walked in this house, it was quite the surprise. We had gone through the tour and we had gotten to the dining room. The dining room table was covered inch by inch with the bottle brush Christmas trees. They're, you know, like three or four inches tall, you know, some taller than others. All different colors. You can get them in like hot pink and green and orange. And oh, I did not know that. Yes. And you can go to Hobby Lobby and they've got them there. You can buy them in every color you can imagine. And it is covering the dining room table <laughs> as if another Christmas tree farm. So now we've got the Christmas trees stacked in the corner. Now we've got the <laughs> so Christmas trees. So where are they eating? Laid. Oh, we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. We had gotten to the kitchen. As you can imagine, the kitchen cabinets are wrapped in wrapping paper, countertops wrapped in wrapping paper, walls and ceiling wrapped in wrapping Christmas. paper. As you do for Christmas, As you do for Christmas, most people wrap their cabinets in mm-hmm. their wrapping paper as well. You inspire me, Lucas. <laughs> and so we had moved out into the other bedrooms, and one of the most abnormal things was the master bedroom, the primary bedroom, had clothes everywhere, but not, you know, dirty or messy. Clothes stacked one on top of the other in three or four foot stacks all along one side of the room. And there was no closet in the room. They just stacked their clothes, folded literally incredibly, like you would see at Kohl's or JCPenney's, like where mm-hmm. they use the little folding machine and yeah. right. fold it perfectly. They had their clothes impeccably folded, all stacked in rows down one wall of their bedroom. Definitely an interesting thing that I've never seen done before. We move out into the garage and the garage is actually set up as a bedroom i think it was for you know their son or whatever and they've got the bedroom set up and then they have uh, you know uh, a, a folding table set up with chairs all around it and she says well you know since the other dining room table is not available we're using this for our thanksgiving dinner we're going to have about 20 people here and it was you know the bedroom slash garage slash dining room was an interesting combination and halfway through the tour we the garage door goes up and the the son or you know tenant or whatever walks in to us standing in his bedroom dining room garage space and is clueless as to why we are there in this home and why we're in his room and why we're in his space and i had looked at my client and said are you ready to go <laughs> I, I thought you said are you ready to sign if you're a, clo- yeah, if you're a closer yeah. are you ready to go the look on his face was like get me out of here okay good and <laughs> it was just the most unique experience I mean I've seen I've walked into homes where people are sleeping in their bed mm-hmm. you know they're supposed to be gone for the showing and we walk into the bedroom and they're sleeping in their bed They and we're like oh my gosh I'm so sorry oh no no worries I'm just sleeping and they go back to bed. They don't care. Some people, some people just do not care. And that's one thing. I had called my mom after the showing of the Christmas house. And I had said, this is how I know that this was made for me. It's not mm-hmm. selling the million-dollar homes that brought me the pleasure and the excitement. It was showing this, I want to say it was maybe $100,000 or $150,000, this home that was 
decked to the nines in Christmas decorations like I've never seen before. The nicest couple lived there, just so relaxed and just the most bizarre circumstances that I've ever seen. And that was what sold me. And I was like, I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> well, you have, you, and these are the, these are stories, right? I mean, this is story. I should write a book. <laughs> but this is the beauty of being in your own company. And you get to have stories like this. Um, you know, and what we're going to do is, uh, we're going to take a quick station break here, and then we're going to start talking more on the mechanics of things, like how people are going to start buying housing and so forth. So in case you tuned in a little late, but you heard about the Christmas house story, we are on Getting Down to Business on WVLP here, 103.1, with me, Mark Mundo, and a awesome roundtable of experts here with uh, Mrs. C- Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman, the producer, Mark Maloney, the man behind the mic, behind all the microphones, making sure everything works. Because I don't know how to use this stuff on the live su- live system, and we got our subject matter expert here, Mr. Lucas Heron. All right, so let's get back to it. Uh, we've got now we're sending the mechanics here because I, when I'm up in Gray's Lake, and you're licensed in Illinois, I don't know if you go all, all the way up to Lake County. It's about 100 miles from here, but I hear the real estate agents are still obscenely busy. I'm lucky. I, I'm going to say Cynthia and I are lucky. Our mm-hmm. house since 2000, like post-COVID, I bought my house in June of 21. My house went up like 30% in value. It, I don't understand why. I didn't do anything. I replaced the refrigerator. That's all I've done. What else have I done? You've kept it. You've maintained it. But yes, I mean, other than some paint and getting the vents cleaned and putting in a new refrigerator, you haven't done anything, but it's gone up in value. And my place, it's a two-bedroom ranch style condo too bad very nice little cozy place and it's almost doubled in value yep and i can't believe it we'll get into that absolutely so So how do you how do you deal with the raise in interest rates and the lack of available housing as i've been hearing it's hard for people even to find a place to bid on there have been the the real estate market in general from 2019 uh, you know four years ago to now in 2023 has shifted drastically i mean the real estate market changes you know daily weekly monthly but the the drastic change from four years ago to today is an insanely different market than you were used to um the interest rates is one of the things that i am most asked about within the last, you know, uh, what is it, almost a year now, back in March 2022, mm-hmm. I think they started raising yeah, the rates bu- and everything. Yeah, they about double. Yeah. Um, and for that, for that time period, the 7% interest rates have been a, a big topic of conversation. And they have definitely affected the real estate market here in Northwest Indiana, in Valparaiso, Crown Point, Chesterton, Lakes of the Four Seasons, you know, all of those types of things. Um, and there really are some pros and cons to those things. It's not all bad. Um, whoa, 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 wait. Seven interest, seven percent interest rate is good. Well, comparing it to show, you know, comparing it to something back in 2020, where you know, for example, in 2020, I'll, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Back a couple years ago, when COVID had hit, and everybody had said, either I love my house and I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to do, you know, a whole bunch of work on it, or I've been stuck in this house for way too long and I need to get out of it and I need to sell it. Okay. And when 2020 and 2021 came around and the market was at an all-time high, so many people were panic buying. It was like a a buying and selling frenzy. You could not, you had a, a million homes on the market and they were flying like, you know, it was like the best thing since sliced bread. And... When you are in a market like that, where you're a buyer trying to put in a bid on a home that's, say, you know, 400, and you have 12 other people that are also interested in mm-hmm. that same home, that $400,000 home now just sold for 475. Absolutely. That's what I experienced in June of 21. Exactly. Yeah. And so now coming into 2023, with higher interest rates back then in 2020, 2021, your interest rates were two and a half, three percent. Yep. You were able to afford so much more due to that. Now with a higher interest rate, you're maybe able to afford a little bit less, but your buyer pool has almost been cut in half. Mm-hmm. 
you're not up against 12 other people for that same home. That $400,000 home may still be $400,000, but you may be able to get it at $400,000, and you may be able to get it maybe even a little bit under. You may be able to do some negotiation. If you have Lucas Hernish, real estate agent, I like to think of myself as a pro negotiator. <laughs> and so something like that is something where the pros kind of comes into the 7% interest rates. It's, it's changed the dynamics of the market in terms of how many buyers there are, how many sellers there are. Okay. You know, and of course there's their cons and we'll, we'll get into those. But that is, that is one of the main pros is the availability is, you know, the availability to be able to get into a home and not have to be fighting against all these people or waiving your inspections, something I never recommend. No. And waiving your appraisal, you don't have someone, an appraiser to come through to determine the value. You're paying 475 and you said, then I'll pay that. Now you're paying $75,000 over asking for a home that was maybe worth, you know, 375 or four. Yep. So now you've priced yourself out and you have to hold on to that home a little bit longer due to the fact that you didn't have it appraised. And you know, they didn't tell you that, okay, no, you're overpaying for this. So are we saying don't try this at home? Buy your own place without a buyer's agent. Even though, and it doesn't cost, you know, as a buyer, it doesn't cost you any. It doesn't cost a buyer anything to have you represent them, right? And that is a interesting topic of conversation. Well, as no, instead of, me doing my instead of me doing my own negotiation, this is a mistake uh, your, your fine radio show host made in 2005. I didn't have an agent representing me. Sure. So I went in with a little, oh, maybe I, I thought I knew what I was doing and I didn't. Sure. So I think that's, I kind of want to get into that topic. Like how can, you know, it, on the buyer's side, if I'm buying a house, can I just do it myself or should I do it myself? The short answer is no. I know it's a little biased because that's what you do for a living, but let's make the case whether they hire you or not. Absolutely. And a very realistic down to earth manner. I, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'll say up front, I have had clients call me and say, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I want to buy a house. I, I'm thinking about using an agent and I'm thinking about not. And there have been times when I'm not able to convince those people to use an agent. But six months later, they come back crawling back and they say, crawling. hey, Lucas, hey, Lucas, Remember that time that we spoke and I wanted to buy a house? Yeah, I still haven't haven't found anything. And so if I'm not able to do you know, my job and I'm not able to convince them to say, hey, let's use a real estate agent professional myself saying, I, I know the market conditions. That is my job to know the market conditions. It's my job to know the interest rates. It's my job to show you exactly with that interest rate exactly how much your monthly payment's gonna be. It's my job to show you every home in that area, and if there's no homes in that area, it's my job to call homes in that area and see if those people wanna sell so mm -hmm. you can get into those homes. And that's something that a buyer's agent will do for you. Uh, a, real estate in, a real estate agent in general, buyer's or selling agent, their job is to work in their best interest of their client. And that's something that I pride myself on. I will never push somebody to do something that they don't want to do. I would much rather educate a buyer or a seller and have them be educated and say, okay, well, thanks for the education, then push, some, push them into buying a home or selling their home and then regret that you know, decision later. Buying a home is most, most Americans' highest priced you know, asset they will ever have. They're never going to, you know, unless you're buying a Lamborghini, but in Valparaiso, is that an asset? few and far between. <laughs> I think it's um, an a Lamborghini's an asset. Well, when you're spending $250,000 for a car, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it depreciates and you, it as sure soon as it goes it off sure a lot. Does. It yes. sure does. But I think that it's, it's an interesting thing to, um, I think it's a beneficial thing to work with a real estate agent and have them, they, they, I mean, we go to school and we study every law and every ethic and every moral code so that we know exactly how to guide you in this decision to make the best economical decision, to make the best financial decision, and to make the best personal decision for, you know, them and their family. So how can, in that respect, so I'm in the business, uh, you know, one of the things we're reading, I think Cynthia touched on this a little bit, how can somebody... The myth is there's, is it a myth or reality, a shortage of affordable housing? How, how, how are people trying to get that first step up the property ladder? What, you know, how, how, how can someone like, I'll, can we pick on Aiden? No, let's pick on Kevin. 
Let's pick on Kevin. It's always fun to pick on Kevin. All right, let's pick on Kevin. Even though he can't hear us, he's in the uh, he's in the other room there playing ping pong. But um, you know how, how like a first time buyer how how are they going to get up? That I I would love to, if you could help give somebody a few steps to say how are we going to get from zero to at least get into that first house because that's in my humble opinion the only way the middle class is going to get up that next level of the property ladder or just net worth not just property ladder but net worth to get to that next step where it's hey i can buy a business or buy capital equipment and move on that's that that's been my path but let's hear it from an expert like you sure i mean when you look at some of the millionaires and billionaires of today's society, so many of them, most of their net worth and most of their value is, you know, most of their assets are in real estate. And, you know, when you look at it in a market like today, where you're in 2023 with a 7% interest rate and the, the average annual income for somebody has not changed since 2019, you know, I think we're still at across the United States, like maybe fifty-five, fifty-six, sixty thousand dollars a year is the average salary. Um, but back in twenty nineteen, you were able to get a home for two or three hundred thousand dollars at a yep. at a lower interest rate, mm-hmm. and now that same two or three hundred thousand dollar home is four, five, six hundred thousand dollars. It can be challenging for a first time home buyer, somebody that hasn't owned a home before, mm-hmm. to really step into that game, and. It is, it, it's a challenging, it's a challenging place to be. I'll say, even for myself personally, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm a, um, an independent employee. I, I work for myself. And so when- Oh, it, proof of income is fun, isn't it? it well, it sure can be. <laughs> it sure can be. And so even having something like that, I've thought to myself, okay, when it comes time for me to buy a home, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because if a home that you can't, if you can't get into a home that's, Two or three hundred thousand dollars. What is a first-time home buyer going to do? And right now, I've got a, a good example. I've got a first-time home buyer who is who currently lives um, in Hobart, mm-hmm. and I they had said, "Hey, I want to buy a house in Hobart. This is my budget," and it was two hundred thousand, two hundred twenty-five thousand, I think it was. And I had said, "Okay, great. Let me see what I can what I can find in Hobart." And I had put into my MLS and my and my search, and I had searched two homes popped up. Two homes popped up. Is in that normal? Two hundred thousand dollar range. I, I don't know if that's it's normal. Not. Okay. You usually would have, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe even hundred homes pop up. Ah. So, so. so the lack of housing in general is an interesting topic, and the lack of affordable housing is definitely. Um, something that uh, there's definitely a need for affordable housing. How could, what do you think? Um, we've had some discussions around about that in other programs here with our colleague Michael Wyan talking about more on economics of trying to help people move up the net worth or property ladder. What do you think? Is there, are there programs for first home, sorry, first home buyers you can get? Or is it more like, hey, you got to do your blocking and tackling and just get your safe, you know, pile your money into a savings account and just hang in there and wait it out or do you hit or i've actually read a couple articles where let's say people that are not related go in and get a house together so mark and i come in and go you know what dude let's be roommates again and you create like a a sitcom setting (laughs) where you have you know two middle-aged dudes living together and buying a house together or it could be mark myself oh god could you imagine me you Aiden, Kevin, in one house. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> but it would be for finance. No. Okay. But you can have those ideas of dis- uh, people having to make creative decisions like this. And Cynthia and I actually talked about this at the, you know, we're uh, closer to. We're thinking of our golden years. Yes, we're thinking. Of okay. <laughs> you put it in a very. Good- so we're actually thinking about how are we going to be able to fund retirement or actually Cynthia talk about the idea you've had with Tina and Luis and and your housing idea well a lot of my friends and colleagues are professional musicians so like you they're independent entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and it's very hard for them to save for retirement let alone be able to afford uh, to buy a home or even get where a bank will give them a loan because they are an independent contractor so to speak in the music field and my friend Louise fortunately was able to get a loan and got a lovely small single family home 
near uh, downtown Chicago. But he, he worked very hard for many, 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 many years just to save the money for it and to build up his credit. And so for him, um, he was able to do it, but it, it, it wasn't something he decided one year and he had it the next. This was like decades of preparation where my, I have other friends who just have never had the means to save and will never own. And they're looking into retirement and they you know, are hoping they can be in some place they can afford with rent control or something. And we all sat down one day and I said, you know, here's an idea. Let's just build our own community. We'll all go in on a property together. We'll each have our own living units. There'll be one main kitchen area. We'll have some basic ground rules. And, you know, we'll have Luis and, and, and Tina, they love to garden, so they'll be taking care of the gardens. You know, Mark is IT, so he'll take care of all of our IT. I'm a good organizer. I'll make sure the bills and finances mm-hmm. are done. And so-and-so is a great cook. And we were joking about this one night over some bottles of wine. But as we've gotten older, we're like, you know, this is kind of not a bad idea because mm-hmm. not only do you have your own little units of space, but you're there for each other, checking in on each other. And we got to think about health care. And health care, you know, and, and you're investing in something that you all can be a part of. So, um, you know, we thought about it actually more seriously as we get older because, um, you know, it's like, yeah, we're not going to be able to have stairs, you know, oh. <laughs> something that's all one Wait level. Uh, yeah, just, you know, fun fact <laughs> but, here. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, you have, to, you have to plan for the future. And we're fortunate that we both own property. So that's an asset that we can work with for our retirement. Um, but for others, unless they have um, a very generous friend who wants to will them a small home or an apartment or something connected with a friend or family, you're pretty much you know, living it month to month, hoping you can continue to pay that rent. So. Uh, to put it shortly, you are not the only person that I have heard about creating your own compound. Yes. That's um, right, little 60s coming back. Absolutely. There is, I've got a, I've actually got a client that's looking for that exact setup. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for a nice piece of land, two to four acres, where they can take you know, their family mm-hmm. and say, okay, you know, they all own properties right now mm-hmm. and they're wanting to sell those, buy this one piece of land and build a, a compound like, you know, system. And it is, it's something that is, it's, it, it, it may start off as a joke, but it may actually come, come to life, come to fruition mm-hmm. more and more. And I'll, I'll definitely be curious to see how much that happens. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's going to build a compound, hey, don't forget about me. Well, you know what? I was thinking my, my wheels are churning because uh, I, I hope my brother's listening to the show. His, his mentor down in, in South Florida is a developer as well. Yeah. So he was started off as a broker or an estate agent and then moved up to managing broker, and now he's doing development. Sure. So he's following the curve, and now that – you know, the baby boomers are retiring or, you know, there's a big, massive wealth trend. You're in an interesting place in the economics curve of the nation because the baby boomers are retiring. The silent generation is, mm-hmm. you know, passing on, unfortunately. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a massive wealth transfer at play coming up. Um, I bought a business from somebody, two businesses from two people retiring. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, in our family when wealth transfers, you know. Um, but you're in an interesting place. You never know. Maybe a developer of Gen X communes. Right. Yes. I think that's going to be your uh, next venture here. So we're actually helping you with your next business. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, I have a question, quick question yeah, for you. Yeah. On that stem, I know a lot of duplexes are very valuable, especially in multi-generational families. So am I correct? Is that grandfather and grandmother can live on this side and the other family on the other side they're yes. investing in something together because uh, I have some friends with extended family that are looking for for those opportunities and yep. they're having a hard time finding duplexes that are available absolutely there's there's buyers that and that that is exactly what we're running into is when it comes to a higher interest rate where you know supply is low demand is high you know at, and that that's essentially the 2023 market low supply high demand seven percent interest rates Mm -hmm. that leads you right to a duplex that if and that is exactly what every buyer every investor every family every every whatever is is looking for is finding a property 
where there either is, you know, a duplex in place or two single family homes on one lot. I just actually have a pending sale right now with two single family homes on one lot. It's on a little piece of water there and they're going to live in one side and they're going to live in one unit and the other, you know, they've got a tenant rented out for the other home. And that's something what families are looking to do. But unfortunately, the cash investors are what are the people oh, that are winning those deals. Right. Absolutely. People from, you know, uh, Illinois, my same buyers and sellers over there in Illinois are coming on over to Indiana. Hey. And they're taking advantage of our, they're taking advantage of our property taxes. Mm-hmm. They're taking advantage of our lower prices compared to Illinois, that is. Absolutely. And no, it's a huge difference. They are eating up all of those duplexes. Yeah. And instead of living in one side or renting out the other, they're renting out both sides for a higher price knowing that they can get that higher price because the affordable housing is down. So and everybody's renting and everyone's renting and that can't afford a home. So they know that, and that's why people that can afford a home are maybe even selling their single family home to buy those duplexes, knowing that they can make some extra income off of those properties. Right. And so they become income properties and they just say, maybe we'll go travel with the money we made on our house because people are still making, hundreds of thousands of dollars on their properties. Their equity is through the roof. I know my home personally, well, my family's home personally. Right. I mean, we have, we had bought our house back in 2018 and the, our, we've got, you know, $200,000 worth of equity in our home. And so. By doing what? As, as do most. Just time. Just time, right? Time. Time, exactly. And, oh, we did finish our basement, added a couple bedrooms and bathrooms, but nonetheless. (laughs) Oh, that's right. You're the interiors guy. Yeah. I forgot about that. And being the interior, being the real estate agent, I was like, yeah, we'll add a bedroom, we'll add a bathroom. That'll add some value there. So, um, you know, it's those smart decisions, but often, oftentimes it has been, you know, investors coming through and taking those opportunities while they see them. Well, how can we get somebody, you know, I feel like we've. We started a vicious circle in some ways. Mm-hmm. We did. But that's great if you're on the side. Cynthia and I are close. We're kind of in that in between side. We each have our own spaces and we in theory could, you know, rent each of our properties out and find a commune here in Indiana or something and do some along those lines. But how I'm trying to think of the little guy, so to speak. Oh, is that Kevin? The little yeah. guy. Well, yeah, he really is, but yes. <laughs> so Lucas, how would you advise Ke- the archetype known as Kevin? I, I don't know if he's hearing this, but um, maybe he will on the replay. How would you advise Kevin? He's starting off, he's the same age as you, similar age, like early 20s, mm-hmm. and he's living at home. How would an archetype like Kevin have to get started on the property ladder? The first start, would I, I would say, is the boring answer of start saving your money. That's okay. Be boring. You got. And you got to be practical. That with is this. the practical way to do it. Is you know, for myself, for Kevin, for any young individuals out there that are looking to buy a home, um, if if it maybe you need to get a second job to start saving some money. Maybe it is. I, I know a client of mine that is twenty three years old, worked at Little Caesars, and worked up. Worked his way up at Little Caesars, saved some money by living with his parents, and took all of that money, and. Put it all down on a house. He 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 lived very frivolously for years before it took you know him time mm-hmm. to get that money to be able to buy a home. But that was something that's important to him and something that's important to a lot of people that are my age. And so it really starts with saving some money. When you've got some money saved up, my next step is call a lender. You can call me and I'll direct you to a lender and sit down with the lender and myself and we'll kind of walk you through with exactly what you have. What does that get you? We'll sit down and we'll talk monthly payments. We'll sit down and we'll talk interest rates for first-time home buyers. Do you uh, get usually a point off or some credit or usually like five percent down? Can you get away with that? You, you can get away with five percent down. Sometimes you can get even away with three and a half percent down. Sometimes even three um, percent. First-time home buyer in the state of Indiana is considered somebody that has not had their has not owned a home. So that would be not having your name on a mortgage or a deed mm-hmm. in the last three years. Okay, that's pretty so quick. Th- a lot of people that maybe sold their home in 2020 cashed out on their equity, took that money, and are now considered first-time home buyers here in 2023. And that you know, benefits sweet. them to being able to afford something a little bit more with a lower down payment. And so whether you're 20 years old and 25 years old or whether you're 65 years old, if you want to buy a home in today's market, start saving every penny you can 
and speak to a lender to really sit down with you and go over exactly what the payments are going to be. And also, isn't your credit rating important as it well? It is. It is. It is. So, and they'll and the and most lenders. One of my favorite lenders. Um, he will literally sit down with the buyer and say, "This is exactly what you need to do to get your credit up. This is exactly what you need where you need to cut spending. This is exactly how you need to pay your credit card off. This is." He will explain absolutely everything to you. So it's it really helps. You know, knowing people. I got, I've got a guy is a, a, a phrase. And my job and my passion is to be everybody's guy. And I have my own guys that I'm able to refer people to, to the lenders, to title, to, you know, other real estate agents or professionals. And where I'm able to say, you know, we've got a great circle here of, you know, educated people that know exactly what they're talking about. And that can really help you move up that ladder in life. Well, that's been a recurring theme in our shows uh, that if you're going to be in the bit, this is business still, this is the business of your home ownership, get a support system. You don't have to be Horatio Alger and do it all yourself. I made that mistake in 2005. I didn't make it this time. I had uh, Agent Mark, uh, shout out if he ever listens to the show, Mark Winkleman over at Dreamtown Realty over in uh, Chicago. Uh, He helped me not only negotiate the price, but he actually found my my townhouse off I'll call it an off listing it wasn't quite MLS public but it was yep. with agent to agent yes and the sto- the fun story really quick was dude you got to get this and Cynthia and I looked at the property and you know I I offered a tad over and I was able to do I had a, a the luxury of a long closing time because sure. the other family was moving out of town in the summer but you know I was I was lucky I'll have to say I was lucky on that so um Put that support system in place, whether it's your own business or you know buying a house. Put it. Put a team of experts together. Everybody wants to help you. I think that's what I found that's different. Absolutely, I, I found that out when I finally decided to do it. My whole family was giving me great advice and giving me questions to ask the lender and everything. So everybody's willing to help you on this very important investment. All right. Well, hey, we're reaching the end of the hour here, so. First of all, I'd like to thank Cynthia and Mark Maloney for keeping us on the level and on time today. You're welcome. Thank you, Mark. (laughs) And most importantly, I'd like to thank the subject matter expert, Mr. Lucas, here for helping helping us out and coming in today. I am so happy to be here. I have loved this opportunity. I love having educated conversations like these. They're very, very important. And Mark, thanks for running the studio for us today. And by the way, can you tell us about some other shows you do? Because you're here a lot. Yeah, uh, I moved in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the uh, the other shows that I have, uh, After Hours, which is Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time here on WVLP. Uh, hard Rock and Metal, usually, sometimes we uh, go off and do some uh, special shows, uh, sometimes around the holidays, St. Patrick's Day, so on and so forth. Uh, so you can catch that one on Tuesday nights. Saturday morning was Coach's Corner, had the final show today. Uh, that's going to uh, be a new show. Uh, starting October, I believe it's October 7th Mm -hmm. on Saturday mornings. Uh, A little bit of sports, but a lot of other stuff. So, If you missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM or live stream at www.wvlp.org. And we store the past shows on Mark's website at www.mondocrm.com forward slash podcast. Or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time. We're listed in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Just search for Mark Mondo and the show will come up. And you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates. And the show is now on YouTube. Just search for Mondo CRM or Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo, and the episodes will come up on your YouTube feed. Thank you very much for spending time with us today, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.